Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. When you turn your heart toward God, you have to continue to press toward that mark of the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. Certainly, we welcome you this morning and thank God for you and I feel anxious to get into the Word this morning, but I want to share just a few things that are going to be transpiring this week. Monday, men, we want you to gather with us at 6 a.m. We gather together for just prayer, 6 a.m. We're preceded by the women. They start at 5 a.m., and they call themselves the LEAP, women who are just empowered. And they're taking the purposes of God out into the airways and the highways and the byways and even compelling others to come in. But at 6 a.m., men, join us. Now, tomorrow, men, I may not uh, be able to fully join you just like yesterday. I, w- I was unfortunately had to miss um, the Bible study that we had scheduled at 5 o'clock. But there are times when we are so, I guess, overwhelmed with things that are coming. And, and yesterday, I needed to help plan for a funeral that we need to have here on this coming Saturday. And uh, Sister Callerie, you all know Sister Sherelle, most of the time you see her sit right over in that corner. And some of you may not have gotten to know her, but her husband um, went home to be with the Lord, just a sudden movement. Um, many people speculate and they say things and guess things and gossip about things, but you know, all of the medical and the coroners who are saying, just natural. See, sometimes it's just your turn. No matter what your age is. And he was a young man, probably half my age. But he's gone home. And this Saturday, I know this people say, well, this is Memorial Day weekend, folks. Time has no consideration of your so-called holidays. Every day has to be a holy day. We are looking mostly for holidays. We need a holy day. And so we're going to have a memorial service. It will be in the evening because we will continue to serve our community. We're serving approximately 5,000 people a month with food. I was doing some calculations, you know, when you have goods and commodities, and then you go and you just say, what is this item costing a person in a grocery store? And I took uh, uh, something that we had put in a cart on Tuesday, and I said, well, I'm just going to the store and just see how much did we put in a cart? $450 worth of food we put in the cart for every person that showed up. We figured by now we have already, had, we haven't even hit the six-month uh, area, and we are probably having put more than about $3 million of food into homes. Folks, it gives my heart good to know that a child is not going to go to sleep hungry. It does my heart good to know that there are people who, uh, I say this about seniors, seniors, young people, this is no put down on you, but just a different mindset. The younger generation, they will uh, skip their bills and they will eat. The older person I find, they won't skip their bills. They'll skip their meals. And they have no food. And it gives me a pleasure. Every Thursday, I find myself delivering uh, pallets of food now to one of our senior facilities. And 
knowing that these are people who can't drive themselves and get to us readily and easily. And God has blessed us. You know, we invest in things a little bit different than most ministries are willing to invest in. We invest in trucks. We invest in refrigeration. We invest in the capacity to hold a lot of food and to put food into people's hands, those that can get here. Uh, some walk up, some drive up, and some we have to drive and get it to them. But we are thankful to be able to do that. And I say that all in conjunction with Saturday. Come Saturday, uh, there'll be two things that we'll need to do. We'll need to serve our community, and then we'll need to flip the switch. In other words, how uh, many remember the old uh, TV series Superman? And Superman would have to go, what, go into the phone booth and make a quick change. And so Saturday morning, I'll be Clark Kent, and, and then uh, we'll have to go into the phone booth and make a quick change. And um, we will get this specific time to our congregation as quickly as possible. We're still working out some details. We won't have a physical body here because um, in these days that we're living in, more and more people are choosing the avenue of cremation. And as a result, we won't have to have a... Uh, a, a casket or something of that nature. What we will have is a picture. And what we will have is a, a number of people who know and love him. And then um, you're surely being able to just give some words of encouragement to people to keep pressing on. Life um, pauses, but it doesn't stop. Life slows down a bit, but it doesn't stop. Let me also convey on behalf of my wife, and some of you, even with children, are asking me, where's Grandma Pat? Grandma Pat's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, she's always giving, you know, on Tuesday, um, we served probably uh, nearly 200 people that came uh, to get food on Tuesday, and so we went home and we did the Superman act again, took a quick shower, and I drove to Raleigh, North Carolina, so that she could be there and take care of her brother who was in a car accident and just cannot take, you know, full, um, has full strength. His legs, or his ankle was shattered, his knee was severely uh, damaged, and so he can't get up and move, and you need people that can help him, and I'm thankful that they're family, and each one is saying, well, I'll take a week, and so she says, I'll take that week, and her husband said, I can't see you jumping on a train and having, you know, Miss Pat was just coming out of surgery herself. Yeah. Just coming out of, you know, some of you didn't know, she was through radiation treatment. She had just finished up her radiation treatment on Monday, but she was ready to go and to serve on Tuesday. So I took her down um, and came back on the wee hours of Tuesday morning. Um, three o'clock comes really early. Um, five hours from Raleigh, and then come straight and you serve again. Um, some of you may have said, Pastor, look a little tired Wednesday night. I was. After having driven from Raleigh, taught Bible study at 12 noon, went to senior home, taught Bible study again, led prayer at 5, 6.30, taught Bible study at 7.30, get home at 10. Yeah, I was a little tired, but, you know, Thursday comes. And guess what? There are hundreds of people in line again, and they need food. So when we ask you to pray for us and pray for our strength, um, I'm debating on whether I should drive to Raleigh today or wait till the wee hours of the morning. 
because I'm going to pick up my bride. <laughs> it's been a weekend. Uh, I know she's anxious to get home. I'm anxious for her to come home. I know she's online watching, so love you. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's get ready to get into the Word. And again, uh, we will share more details about the funeral service that will be in the evening hours with you later this week. Amen? A few weeks ago, I started a message, and the title of it was Take What's Yours. Now, by leading of the Holy Ghost, I broke that message up just a bit. Um, matter of fact, Miss Pat came and she taught a lesson. Then the following week was Mother's Day, and I taught a lesson that was different from that. It was just honoring mothers and looking back at the biblical mothers in the Bible and how impactful and influential women are in the Bible. And even today, in 2023, women are the most influential group when it comes to Christianity. Not men, women. They make up 70% of churches across America. And I dare say the percentage is pretty high if we went through the world. But there is something that every Christian needs to be aware of, and is that, that God has already provided. Say, God has provided. God has provided. Say, God has provided. God has. Notice the tense that I'm putting you in. Has provided. Most of us are praying our prayers of God, will you do this in the future? And God is saying, in your present, I've taken care of it during the past days. I mean, you know that God had you in mind before the cross was ever constructed to crucify him on. He, you were thought of. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because Jeremiah gives us a clear indication. God knew you and I we be before. Everybody says before. before. Before you were formed in your mother's womb. Therefore, it lends itself back to what we try to get people to understand about themselves. You are a spirit being. And that spirit being now lives in a body. Everybody said, I have three parts. What is that part? Your body, soul, spirit. What is God trying to get you to walk in? Spirit. Most people are just focused on their body. Go to the gym next door. Their body has become their God. They worship it. You ever been to a gym lately? Mirrors everywhere. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Folks, folks, get off of whatever piece of equipment they're working on. Look at me. It's all, but you can't focus on your body. Not like that. What is, what is the soul? Your mind, your emotions, your will. And God says, you need to bring everything into subjection to Christ. Let the mind that was what? In Christ be in you. Your soulish realm is what the Bible refers to as fleshly. What did God come to save your soul? See, if you think that I can do it all I can come up with every idea. I can come up. God has said, your ways, your thoughts are too small. I mean, you know, the scripture says, God said of himself, he says, my thoughts are what? Higher than your thoughts. 
My ways are what? Higher than your ways. And what God is trying to say, come on up. This is why scriptures would say things like this. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. The I statements have to come out of all of us. That's in the soulage realm. This is what we call the false trinity, me, myself, and I. No, we need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost ruling and reigning over our lives. The Bible says about you and I when it comes to our soulless realm, he says you and I must decrease so that Christ might what? Increase. There's a decreasing that takes place, but it, it's not a diminishing of who you are. You're very special to God. You're greatly loved by God. Come on, think about the cross for just a moment. You're greatly loved by God. Because he didn't die for any sin that he had committed. He died for our sins. By his stripes. That, that beating that he took, that was so that you and I wouldn't have to be beat up. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in that first chapter. And the emphasis is, and the basis and the foundation of what we're talking about take what's yours, is in verse 3. So if you have one of those highlighters, I was looking at one, my first Bible that I ever purchased, and wow, is it highlighted. <laughs> and I laughed, and I said, in my youth, I highlighted everything. I, I, I mean, someone was preaching, I was just highlighting. I started highlighting pages, but really the highlight is supposed to be What's become revelation to you? And this morning, I want this to become a revelation to you. And I want you to leave here understanding how to pray more specifically and how to receive more directly the things that are coming from heaven. Because some of us are begging God, and God doesn't want you to beg him. Say, I'm a child, I'm a child. and I'm a child of the king. Your children don't have to beg you, do they? They might nag you a bit, <laughs> but they don't really have to beg you. I know as good parents, you would give them whatever you could possibly give them. Our Father, he says this in, in one passage of Scripture in the Gospels. He says, if your child asks for bread, would you give him a stone? And I think all of us come to a quick conclusion, no. My child asked me for bread, and I had bread to give. I wouldn't give him a stone. I'd give him bread. He says, if your child asked for a fish, would you give him a serpent? And we go, of course not. We wouldn't give him something that will creep him out and scare them and make him frightful. We would give them fish. And then he says, how much more then do you think your heavenly father will give you his spirit? And that's what God wants. He wants to give you his spirit, his Holy Spirit. And he wants you to walk in the spirit, live as the spiritual being. I've said this often enough for I think everybody to know it by now. Say, I am, I am not, not a human being, human being. Having, a having a temporary 
spiritual experience. I am a spirit being having a temporary human experience. This is your body suit, your earth suit. It's going to pass away. But your spirit, the true you, the, 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 the area that God wants to connect you back to, how did you get severed from the spirit of God? Adam and Eve, you didn't do it. You're born into it. Some people say, well, I'm a sinner because I smoke, or I'm a sinner because I drink, I'm a sinner because of whatever, yada, 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 yada. No, you're a sinner because you're born into sin. You're born into it. How many of you remember when you were a kid and you thought you were being bad? Talk about, you know, I have but two things to do. Stay black and die. Now, if you're not black, you would, whatever the other color you are, you would say, because you, you said, well, you know, I'm just born that way. But you're born a sinner, and you're born again as a what? New creation. The old things have what? Passed away. And behold, all things have become what? New. I'm new. I'm born again. My sins have been forgiven. The Bible says they have been cast as far as the east is from the west into a sea of forgetfulness. God didn't hold anything against you. The only thing that God is concerned about in our lives is that what belongs to you, most of us don't know it belongs to us. And he says, my people then perish for what? Not knowing what belongs to you is, it can hurt you. Kenneth Hagin would like to tell the story of a man who was traveling on a cruise ship coming from Europe. This was going to be a several days journey on this particular ship to get to New York. And the man got on, he was well-dressed, distinguished, so distinguished that the steward on the boat noticed him and said to him, sir, we, we hope you enjoy your cruise. I look forward to seeing you during the passage of the journey. But it will come to pass as the boat is docking, having been several days on the water and now is docking in New York, that this same steward sees this well-dressed man and he just says to him, he says, sir, I remember distinctively seeing you when you got on the boat. But in the entire journey of several days, I never saw you. I didn't see you at breakfast. I didn't see you at lunch. I didn't see you at dinner. I didn't, anybody ever been on a cruise? You know, somebody was trying to figure out how many times you can eat on a cruise, and it was, they came up with about 12 times. I mean, it is, oh, you, you, you can get into gluttony if you're not careful. But he says, of all of the times, when there were these gatherings to dine, and, uh, and all of the times for the recreational activity, I never saw you. And the guy said with some sense of pride, oh, I was saving money. I packed some crackers, some potted meat. I don't even know what potted meat is. You know, it just, it's weird-looking stuff. I, I, I know it's just weird-looking stuff that I wouldn't want to consume. But nevertheless, this is a, he, he's just saying proudly, I saved money. 
And the steward shook his head and said, Sir, did you not know that the cost of all of this was in the price of your ticket? Do you know what's in the price of the ticket that purchased you? How many, say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Say it again, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Redeemed means that, you've been, that there's been an exchange made. A purchase has been made. And you don't have to pay anything. Any of you old enough to remember greenback stamps? Yeah. <laughs> I am going way too old school, huh? And, and my mother used to collect, and she'd have book after book after book, and then she would redeem them. It means you got something free. You got something free. How many of you know your salvation is free? And whom the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. You've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this man didn't know that all of this belonged to him. The breakfast was in the cost of the ticket. The lunch was in the cost of the ticket. The dinner were in the cost of the ticket. And he's thinking that he's doing something to save. And a lot of us, we approach God like that. We're asking for what's already ours. You're in the book of Ephesians. That's why it took so long so that you could find Ephesians. <laughs> I know that you found it now. We're in chapter 1. Kyle, if you'll bring that, or, or Alfred, I'm sorry, Alfred is back there on the system. Verse 3 is where I want you to focus in. I'm going to take you down to verse 7. I laugh at this because Paul makes one sentence out of seven verses. Verse 1 through 7 is one sentence, really. Uh, Blessed, he says, be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You read this. Who has blessed us with some spiritual blessing. Wait a minute. Let me put my glasses on. What happened? I, I must not be reading that. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with some. No, no, you guys are not reading right. Here, use my glasses. Use my glasses. Who has blessed us with what? You got glasses on and you keep saying it. Uh, here. Who has blessed us with some. These kids read better than you guys. <laughs> Who has blessed us with every. So the word some blessings are not up there. Maybe you ought to look at your Bible then. <laughs> he said, nope, it's not there either. He has blessed us with every. See, but we're acting as if he hasn't blessed us with anything. I'm believing God for my healing, Pastor. Well, you're already healed. Somebody didn't get that. Already here. You just know by faith you access it. By faith you receive this. By faith, the Bible says when you stand praying, you believe that you receive. If, if you can believe 
and receive. God said, all of this, all of these spirits of blessing, they've been paid for. They're yours, says it's mine. And all I'm trying to get you to do is take what's yours. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let the devil blind your mind and think that, you know, you've been left behind, that you've been forgotten, that nobody cares, that nobody loves you, that nobody is going to assist or help you. Where is your help coming from? The Bible says, my help is coming from the Lord. So he says, we ought to bless the Lord. This is why when we come and people say, why do you, why do you spend so much time singing? Because you ought to bless the Lord. The Bible says everything that has breath, let him bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. So blessed is what Paul is saying to us. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, let me say, sometimes, here's the, the problem. People are asking for things that are not spiritually related. There's a minister of the gospel, his name is Kenneth Copeland. And many stories and many have testified to this and it's on record. There was a lady in a portion of Texas who was considering herself a Christian lady. But she said, Kenneth Copeland is going to be my husband. But here's the problem. Kenneth Copeland is married to a lady named Gloria. So she continually prayed for Kenneth Copeland to be her husband. Matter of fact, she even had a spiritual wedding where she called herself marrying Kenneth Copeland in the spirit. And people say, well, what did they do with Gloria? But do you know what they were asking? God, why don't you just curse her and kill her and get her out of the way? So, everybody say spiritual blessing. Spiritual blessings are always in line with the word of God. It's not in line with the word of God for you to kill off somebody's husband or wife so that you can have them. That's not, that, that's not in the will of God. So now you're praying amiss. Lord, just let me hit the lottery. Uh-oh, I'm in somebody's backyard now. Oh, Lord. Let me just hit, Lord. You know I'm going to do right. You know I'm going to give some money to Pastor Horace and Rainbow Family Christian Center. Just let me hit the lottery. Do you know that the lottery is not in the will of God for your life? It's faith. It's in tithing, offering, and giving. It's in trusting that God will open whatever door he needs to open. Says God can't give me the numbers. God's trying to give you a number. He says, can't you tarry for one hour? That's the number he's trying to give you. I'm going to back up. I think the floor is going to sink if I stay there for much longer. But the truth of the matter is sometimes we're asking God for things that are not spiritually related. You have to ask God for things that are spiritually related. How do I know what's spiritually related? It's because I get into the Word, and I begin to understand, what has God promised me? How many of you know God has promised you some things? God has promised every one of us some things, and he is no respecter of person. He won't just promise it because I'm a pastor. He won't just promise it because of your color of your skin, the ethnicity. Or, 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 or God promises what he promises because you are his child, and he loves you. 
And he wants to supply all of your needs, every one of our needs, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All being done by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. Let's go a little bit further in that scripture. Verse 3 is our foundation, remember? Verse 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Again, you have every spiritual blessing. When did you get them? Before the foundation of the world. Before God. Think about Adam and Eve. Didn't God provide everything Adam and Eve needed before they were ever created? Do you realize that they were the last of what God created? Why? Did you ever see Adam saying, God, I'm real hungry. I could use a sandwich. God had already provided everything that Adam needed to eat. Did you ever hear Adam say, Lord, I am really freezing out here. I need some clothes. God had clothed Adam and Eve in his glory. And I know you think that when you hear the scripture about them with the fig leaves on, uh, the only thing that happened is the glory of God had left them. That's why they felt the nakedness. Folks, I'm telling you, if you drift away from God, you're going to feel the nakedness. You're going to realize that you have drifted away. And that's why God says, you have a friend. You have an advocate. You have a, a person who is faithful and just to what? Forgive you. And say, come on back. That's why God asked Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? And, and, and you know I say this quite a bit. When God asks you a question, it is not because he does not know the answer. He is simply trying to get your attention to help you to realize you're lost. You're out of my will. You're outside of my grace. You're outside of my anointing. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back into my presence. Because in my presence is what? Fullness of joy. There's no hiding from God when you're in the presence of God. And even if you try to hide, you can't hide from God. Why? Because he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him in love. Holy. I, I, I've asked people, I said, look up this. Write a page on what is holiness. Stop just having church words that you don't have an understanding of what they are. So what is, what is God saying? Be holy. What is he saying? Be surrendered. Everybody say, I surrender all. Say it again, I surrender all. You know that song, but do we surrender all to God? That's what holiness is, where you surrender it all. He's first. You know Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye what? What? The kingdom of God. His righteousness. All the other things. That's when you surrender. You're not leaning to your own understanding on matters. You, you, you trust God enough to acknowledge God. Here's where I'm at, God. And even when it's other people doing messed up stuff, you just go to God. You remember Moses? Moses would go, initially Moses would go to God and says, God, the people. The people that you gave me. And God would tell Moses, okay, I will take care of it. 
how many of you can trust God to take care of people, even if they're acting a little jacked up every now and then? You can trust God to take care of it. God's not going to ask you to pull out the sword. Ask Peter about pulling out the sword. That doesn't work. If he, if he says, look, if that's the pattern that you're going to, that's the lifestyle, you're probably going to die by that lifestyle. But God came that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it what? More abundantly. And what are you doing? You're casting all of your cares over onto him. Folks, I, I, I don't mind telling you, I have more on my plate than I can handle. And I would not be able to get anything accomplished if I didn't go to God. Apart from God, apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. He says, I am the vine, you are what? The branches. And apart from me, he says, you can't, you can't accomplish anything. You might think you're accomplishing something, but you really aren't accomplishing things without Christ. Amen? All you have ever needed is provided in Christ. Colossians chapter 2. Go ahead and find that real quick if you can. Colossians. This is Paul writing. I don't want you to lose your, your, your place in, in Ephesians. We'll come back to that. But in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, For in him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Say, I am complete. You're complete in him. This is why oftentimes we try to encourage you, and you can even Google this now, and say, what are the in Christ realities? I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. In him, we live, we move, and we have our being. Say, in him. In him. So every scripture that starts out that way for you, in him, it's a in Christ reality. This is who you are. I'm the head, not the tail. It's an in Christ reality. So you need to know who you are in Christ. In your own strength, nothing can be done. Nothing that has eternal value, because I even had a kid challenge me on that and said, I've been doing something, I don't serve Jesus, I don't. And I said, well... Things that are going to have eternal value is only going to be done in Christ. See, folks, do you realize everything is going to pass away? The chair you're sitting on, the car you're driving, the house you're living in, the White House, Congress, all of this stuff that we know as we would say, would be material. See, most people focus on the material and not the spiritual. And God's trying to get you away from the material over to the spiritual. We focus on our body, not our spirit. We focus on so many different things that are simply just distraction so that we don't have the attraction that we need to want the things of God. And that's why the Bible says, he who keeps his mind stays on Jesus, he is able to keep him in what? 
perfect peace. Perfect peace. You are complete in Christ. Say, I am, I am complete. Because that means nothing is missing. Anybody ever order something and you realize it did, they didn't send you all the parts? They sent you something incomplete? You, have you ever had a, your, your, your teachers back in the day when you went to school and they gave you your paper back and they said, this is an incomplete sentence? Everything that's in Christ is complete. You are complete. You are complete. Now, the devil will accuse you and say, no, you're not. You know that thought you just had? Well, everybody's going to have thoughts. You know, somebody said to me, Pastor, pray that I don't have any bad thoughts anymore. I said, well, I'm going to have to pray you'll preach your funeral. <laughs> you're going to have bad thoughts. But the Bible says, cast down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Folks, I'm going to even say this. It's not a matter of if you're going to sin. It's a matter of when you sin. Yeah. And the key about this is that you're not purposing to keep and continue in that sin pattern. So that when you sin, that's why the Bible says you have an advocate. You have someone in your life who is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And so that's why I said, don't let people keep judging you, though. How many of you know there are people who judge you on everything? They just judge you on everything. And God says, you're going to have to grow up and know that you are not being judged by heaven. And don't keep letting people judge you on stuff. Colossians is telling us, you're complete in him. You're complete in him. God has, I'm going to say this, and, and, and it's not a contrary doctrine here. But you don't have a sin problem. Sin has been dealt with. Think about that. Let that absorb for a moment. You don't have a sin problem. Sin's been dealt with. Who dealt with sin? Jesus. You ever known Jesus to do anything mediocre? You know Jesus to do anything partially? So when he said he bound Satan, Satan's bound. You don't have a sin problem. What we have, what is the problem then, Pastor? I gained this from Brother T.D. Jakes when I heard him teaching a men's conference one time. He says the enemy, the enemy should be spelled like this. I-N dash A dash M-E. Some of your brains are still calculating. Where's the enemy? It's the self. This is why the Bible says you have to mortify the deeds of the flesh daily. Daily. Every day, our little calculative minds are going to want to say something, do something, act out something that's not spiritual. And God said, bring it into subjection. 
How? By the Spirit. You are a spirit being. Get used to operating in the Spirit. How many of you know what God told us to do? He said, walk in what? The flesh. Oh, he didn't say that? Walk in the... You guys sure you're reading your Bible? Walk in the... Okay, you have been reading your Bible. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thus reaffirming you are a spirit being. And you need to learn how to operate as a spirit being, understanding that you have all spiritual blessings. You have access to everything that's coming from the throne room of God. Thus God would say about you and I, the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. But they are what? Mighty through God. Mighty through God. Mighty through God. You are not mighty in your own strength. The arm of the flesh will fail you. And you can take what's yours when you start to realize, I'm a spirit being. God is looking for true worshipers, he said. Remember this scripture? I'm looking for true worship. I'm looking for people who will worship me in what? Spirit. How many of you know this one? God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And if you want to be like him, it's spiritual. You can't continue to lean to you what? Your own understanding. You have to do what? Acknowledge him. How do you acknowledge God? Through his word. The word has to be nigh you, even in your mouth. Meditate in this word, what? Day and night. There's a centurion that Jesus himself compliments him, this man. He says, I've not seen so great a faith in all of Israel. And Jesus had been in his journey as, as the Messiah now for approximately two years. Three and a half years would be the full length of time that he would be revealed as the son of God. But at this point, he meets the person who says to him, my servant is sick. And Jesus says, give me a minute and I'll, I'll come to your house. And the man says, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to come to my house. What did he say to him? Speak the word only. You know, the spoken of word of God does not return void. The word needs to be, the Bible says, nigh or near us, even in our word, in our mouth. I mean, you're speaking the word, you're speaking the word, you're speaking the word. Here's the thing that I want you to get in, in this next phase here. It's by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. But your faith won't make God do anything. Your faith is supposed to be a response to what God has already done. Maybe I should say that again. Faith does not make God do anything. Faith is your response to what God has already done. 
And a lot of people are praying, and they're saying to God, now, God, you know, if I do this, you're going to need to do this for me. And the pastor said, I need to go to, to, to Bible study. Now, Lord, I'm going to give it a month. I'm going to give it a month. You're going to you're gonna have to show up and show out, God. You're trying to make God do something. And God says, no, your faith is not to make God do anything. Your faith is responding and saying, God, I believe and I receive what you've already done. You, you know that you have everything, every spiritual blessing already, and what you're doing is just simply getting in agreement with God. But if your prayers are, you know, if I do this, then God, I'm going to be expecting you to do this. God says it's already done. I love you. I, I've already taken care of that. Did you ever see Adam saying, God, I can hardly breathe. You need to give me some air. God had already made air. Adam didn't have to think about that. Alfred, I'm going to need your help in this. Go to Matthew chapter 6 real quick. And I want you to pull up verse 25 on the screen. On the screen. Matthew chapter 6. We often talk about Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33 says, what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But there are some things that God tells you and I that we can't get our minds so distracted on that we lose sight of who God is. Don't ever lose sight of who God is. God is your best friend. God is a friend that sticks closer than a friend. God is that one that will never leave you, never forsake you, be with you to the end of the age. God is that one that never goes to sleep so that if you do wake up in the midnight hour and everybody else is asleep, God is not asleep. He hears you. He knows you. He sees every tear that falls from your eye. He feels every pain that you have experienced. And he well is well able well able. See, sometimes you can take your problems to a person. You can even take your problems to me, and I ain't got no answers. But God always has an answer. God always has a brighter day for us. He says, look at this. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father does what? Feed them. You read the next one. Are you not more valuable than they? Say, I'm valuable. God loves you. God says you're valuable. Now, I know you can go through life and people will try to, as it were, take your value and try to get you to think you have no worth or no value, but that's a lie. God said himself, you're valuable. Let's go to the next verse. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, don't be anxious about anything. People who trust God, they just know, my God, Philippians, you know it, my God shall supply. 
He's going to supply all of your needs. I'm not worrying. Some of you don't get any sleep because you worry all through the night. You wake up and you think hours have passed since it's only a half hour has gone by. You look at the clock and go, oh my God. And you think you went back to sleep and you wake up and realize that was just 10 minutes, huh? Because you worry. And God says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. So, folks, you don't have to play Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. You know from the scripture, God says, don't worry. Which of you, by worrying, can add anything, add any value to your life? You are already valuable. You are already blessed. You are already the head and not the tail. You are already healed. You are already more than a conqueror. You are already a mighty and a godly priesthood. You are already a chosen generation. You're already that. Why are you worried? How many of you believe that Jesus is your friend? I don't want you to ever put Jesus on the statue of any human friend. Because human friends are a bit shaky. Friend one day and enemy the next. With you one day and against you the next. But there is no shadow of changing with God. Same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I don't have to worry. I'm never alone. I don't have to worry. If God be for me, what God's trying to get you to be confident in. See, what the devil wants you to lose your confidence. Well, you know how she did. You know what he did. You know what they did. No, I don't care what he did, she did, and they did. My mind, my eyes are going to stay fixed on what God's doing. That's why I say, don't get too caught up with the news. You know, the news is going to tell you the world is going to hell in a handbasket. No, my scripture is telling me my God is still saving people. People are still getting delivered. You remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist had been the forerunner. He was the one who was uh, in the Jordan baptizing people and saying, what? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And there comes a time where John bold confronts someone. John confronts a king. John confronts the king on an issue of immorality. The king don't want to hear it. And the king is in authority. The, 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 the woman that he's involved in this immoral act with, she doesn't want to be on blast either. And so she manipulates her daughter, and this is a really messed up king, because he, here's a king that wants the mama and the daughter. And so she says, she said, I, I've been watching him watch you. So go dance for him. And I know him. I know that rascal. He's going to ask, what can I do for you so I can get next to you? And sure enough, that's what he asked. What can I do for you? 
But the mama had already set the daughter up, remember? Mama said to her, when he asks you that, and he will ask you that, tell him you want John the Baptist's head on a platter. And all of a sudden, you know, kings are like this. And when they made a decree, they, their pride won't let them go back. So now he's made a promise that whatever she wanted, he would give it to her. And this is what she has. Now, they locked John up for a while. You remember John is in prison? And two of his disciples are there. And it must be like the Western movies, you know. In the Western movies, people could look out the window and see people outside. So they, John is able to see two of his disciples. And he says to them, go find Jesus and ask him, is he the one or should we look for another? It's sometimes we are like that. We give up on God. God, you know, I put a demand on you and you didn't come through. You can't make God do something for you. He's already done everything he's going to do for you except come back and receive you in the rapture. What you have to do is receive what he already has done for you. Be thankful, be grateful. And you know what God told John's disciples when they came to him asking that silly question? He said, go back and tell John. The blind see. The lame walk. Miracles are taking place. Blessings are happening in people's lives. Wasn't that what you were supposed to be doing? Announcing, proclaiming my coming? And I believe John got all right. I believe that John didn't back up one step after that. I'd like to tell you that the end of John's story is just glorious. But John's head got chopped off. I believe that when we see John, we'll recognize him readily. And I don't think he'll be carrying his head in his hand. I, be, I believe he will, t he will be simply saying to you, trust God even to the ends of the ages. Trust God even if the, you know, the, the Bible said when it comes to Jesus, he said, Job said it like this. He said, yet, it, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It's, you have to be like the man of God who took his son and put him up on the altar, took the knife and was ready to take his life. Because he already had this confidence. This is the confidence that he had. When they went on the journey, they left their home, he, his son, and a servant. They took wood. They took all of the resources necessary to build an altar. They took all the resources necessary to light the altar. And they went up onto the mountaintop, Mount Moriah, built that altar, laid his son on the altar, and I try to get you to see this. This is no child. And I know most of us have in our imagination, this is the little boy that gets laid on the altar. No, this is a grown man. He's 20-something. His daddy is old. He could have taken him out real easy. You father, do you realize that your sons at one stage get stronger than you? But his son is not resisting. He is so taught of his father. Trust God. But here's what I want you to pick up from this. When they were at the foot of Mount Moriah, he said to his servant, 
you wait here. My son and I are going up, and here's how he described it. We're going to worship, and we shall return. We're going to worship. Now, here's God told him, you're going to have to take your son's life. But he's telling the servant, we're going up to worship, and we shall return. What was his trust level saying? Even if God, even if the son's life was taken, God was going to raise him back up because God was the one who promised him that son. He didn't ask God for a son. Sarah didn't ask God for a son. God told him, you're going to have a son. They laughed. Abraham laughed. Sarah, you know that, don't you? But yet God came through. He'll do the same for you. He hasn't changed. God will come through. God will come through. Look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say, God will come through. God will come through for you. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and then we'll finish it up. It's a message that I must go deeper with you. And if you are with us on Bible studies, whether via a virtual platform or here for a live presentation, we are going through this book of Ephesians. Because the first three chapters of it is going to show you what God has done. The last three chapters, and it's just six chapters in the book of, uh, of Ephesians, the last three chapters are going to be very specific about what our response should be based on what God has already done. Every word of God requires an appropriate response. An appropriate response. So let me just review a little bit about where we've been today. Number one was this. All you ever needed is provided in Jesus. You kept reminding me that when I said some things, you kept saying what? Everything. And that's what God meant. Everything has been provided for you. I said to you secondly, sin is not a problem. God has taken care of sin. Jesus did that. He said he bound Satan. He has the keys to both heaven and hell. And he says, I'm giving you the key. Whatever you bind, bound. But whatever you loose, it was you who went back and opened that door. Therefore, the Bible warns us, give no place to the devil. How does one give place to the devil? The Bible says sometimes you are ensnared by the words of your own mouth. Life and death are in the where? The power of the tongue. What does God tell us to do with our tongue, which utters words, which creates the vibration to utter the word? He said, speak life. Well, where did I get life from? From the word of God. See, sometimes, folks, we just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. It says, what is stupidity? Saying and doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. You got to get over onto the word. The Bible said, let the word be nigh you. Let the word be nigh you. Let the word be nigh you. And if the word is nigh you, the devil will flee. No word, the devil is going to hang around you all the time. Because he knows he can get you into murmuring and complaining. He knows he can get you into depression and oppression. 
He knows that you are just going to say, woe me, woe me, woe me, woe me. You're not going to ever really stand up and say, look, enough is enough. This is who I am. And who do I, why do I know this is who I am? Because the Bible tells me so. Come on, anybody ever sang that song? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. The Bible has told you that God is wanting you to know that you're the head and not the tail. Here's the fourth thing that I want you to get, a, get across to you. The fourth thing would simply be this. Don't let, don't let other people keep judging you. Learn how to rest in the Lord. Everybody say, rest in the Lord. Amen. Say it again, rest in the Lord. Here's a scripture I want to give you. Write it down. I'll read it. So Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. And let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no, no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, I want to just say to you, this rest that God is talking about is a rest when you know it's done. Go back, if you would, to the book of Genesis. I'm not asking you to turn there. I'm just simply saying in the reference of your mind. When did the Sabbath come? When it was done. When God had created the heavens. When God had created man. When God had completed the work. And the Bible says he rest. And, and don't trust me. God wasn't resting because he was saying, man, I'm tired. I had to make the stars. The moon, the sun, run, I'm tired. I got to rest. Get me a certa. Get me a sleep number. Get me something, but I got to rest. He wasn't talking about that rest. God was talking about getting to a place where you're just at peace. Where you're not worried. Remember a moment ago he said, stop worrying. Rest. That's what the Sabbath really is, folks. Rest. And that rest is a result of things that are complete. Say it again. I am complete. I am complete. And then the Sabbath comes. Because, folks, trust me. That's why God said, don't let any people judge you about the Sabbath. And there are people who make a legal stand about a day of the week. And it's not anything to do, really, with a day of the week. Because nobody's really keeping what we would call, do you realize, in Exodus 31, Leviticus 25, God literally said to people, in the seventh year, take a Sabbath year. You know anybody that's taken a Sabbath year? I don't. I have a lot of friends that are Jewish friends. I'm getting ready to go to Israel, and I guarantee you people have not taken a Sabbath year. So God said, look, there are things that people argue about. Don't you get in arguments about it. You just know this. 
you're complete in God. You have access to all spiritual blessing. Start accessing. And I'm going to probably talk to you next week about how does one access these blessings? What's going to shift in your prayer language? What's going to shift in your day-to-day going about living as a Christian that indicates that you have a revelation, that you have everything? For some of you, it's going to be a total flip of the script for you. I mean, the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart is supposed to be acceptable in the sight of God. But some of us, it's our words, it's that self thing. You know, I've shared for years about an aunt of mine who I believe made it into heaven, but she had this one area that we would kind of laugh at. And we realized it was because she was lonely. And she loved attention. And she would ask for things that she didn't need. And so it was at a point in time in her life where she was taking a certain medication. And the doctor basically said, she doesn't need to take this anymore. She's healed. But what do you think my aunt would say? I need my medication. And I'm telling you, she would be one sick, sad sack. Because I need my, go get my medication. Some of us are addicted on stuff that we don't need. And so finally, the doctor, just to deal with this. The devil comes to blind your, you know, I said, sin has been dealt with. But he's dealing with your mind. And so here's what the doctor says. She has one son. He's two now going home to be with the Lord. And, and he said to him, he said, take this. And he gave her something called a placebo. So to us, in other words, it was some little white sugar pills. And as soon as my aunt popped two or three up, whoo, I feel so much better. Some of us, we, we don't realize we are hooked on things that aren't really helping us at all. And the Bible says, then you're ensnared by it. The devil keeps you bound up because you don't realize you're already more than a conqueror. You're already healed. You're already ahead, not the tail. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. I want you to think on this thought. I don't need an answer from anybody, but I'm going to ask a question. If you were to have to say, what is your need right now? What would that be? What's your need right now? And I'm going to ask you now, that what you just said, and again, I don't want anybody uttering any, any words. Just hold your peace. If you were to ask yourself, well, you just are thinking in your mind's eye right now. Is that spiritual? Is that spiritual? If it's spiritual, then you already have it. You already have it. But if you're asking for something that's not really even spiritual, trust me, God knows what you need. 
sometimes we don't even know what we need. But thank God for the word that reveals to us. But I can say this. Everybody needs Jesus. Solomon in the Bible is referred to as the wisest man that ever lived. It says, and from the human capacity, no one else would be any wiser with the exception of Jesus who dwells in the flesh. Why was he so commended by God? Do you realize that he didn't ask for anything material? God himself asked Solomon, what do you want? What do you feel you need in order to be king? Solomon did not ask for money. Solomon did not ask for anything in the material realm. He asked for what? Wisdom. What do you keep asking God for? Is it spiritual or is it material? Let me begin to ask you, start thinking about the spiritual. Start getting on the spiritual plane. The Bible says you and I are supposed to covet the very best gift. Somebody asked me, well, Pastor, what's the best gift? It's what you need from the Word of God at that time. What you need from the Word of God at that time. If it's peace, God's got it. If it's joy, God's got it. If you need a prodigal son or daughter to come home, God can send them home in their right mind. Leave you talking about give me and come back to you saying, make me. Make me a servant. God's provided for all of this. Because that's spiritual. Why would that be spiritual? Your son, your daughter coming back home. Because God's desire is that everyone be saved. That's spiritual. That's spiritual. I had a little child. I, I, I loved summers, my weekdays, I have chapel. I love children. And I love the sincerity of their heart. And the Bible says, and so except you come like a little child, you can in no way inherit the kingdom of God. Children, when they come for prayer, they come seriously. I never had a child walk up to me and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for LeBron James so he can win the championship. Most of the time they say, can you pray for my mama? Can you pray for my daddy? Can you pray for my grandma? It, they're spiritual. They're sincere. I love children because every now and then when the Lord urges me to give an altar call, I start laying hands on people and sometimes people fall under the power of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they fall backwards. People catch them. And then some people I'm walking by, they just pass. They just fall out and I go, I didn't even pray for you. The Lord didn't even let me transfer anything into you, and you just fell. You gave me a courtesy drop. What I like about children is that they won't give me courtesy drops. But when it's God and the power of God, I think children go out and they'd be out for minutes just under the power of the Holy Ghost because they're receiving 
the reality of God and not trying to fake it and make it. And what God is looking for, people who are not going to go through their Christian walk faking it. But people who are truly saying, God, I surrender all. I'll trust you. Order my steps. Set my conversation aright. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, what I'll be doing is praising your name. If you know Jesus, lift both hands as high as you can lift them. If you trust Jesus, stand to your feet. I want you to look around and someone is sitting now. I want you to escort them right on up here to the altar with me because I want to pray for them. But if you're already a believer, can I ask you to pray this prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we do pray for all of the lost souls in this world. People who are unaware. People who are in the valley of indecision. Pray. We pray. God save. God save. God reveal to all the world that Jesus is the way. The truth, the truth and the life. And the life. Father, Father, I love you. I, love you. I, will, I will continue, continue to serve you. But I pray for every coworker, for every neighbor, for every family member, and even the stranger who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We pray this day for that revelation to come and we pray for them to make that decision to come to Christ right now in Jesus name amen sister Callerie would you come and stand I was talking earlier about a memorial service that we're going to have here on Saturday for her husband, and so some of you could not put a face to the name that I was calling. Stretch your hands out towards Sherelle. And Father, in Jesus' precious name, we thank you. The word says, you will comfort, and that with these words, we are to comfort one another. And in Philippians, it says, finally, when everything's come to a finality, we have to start to think on things. Think on what's good, think on what's lovely, think on what's pure, think on what's just. And he said, the God of peace will be with us. And so, Father, thank you for helping us to come alongside of our sister and strengthen her hand. Perhaps it's in the meal that we carry to her home. Perhaps it's in the card that we send. Perhaps it's in the gift that we give. Perhaps it's in the prayer that we pray. But however way you lead us in the spirit, God, may we follow the leading and the guidance of the spirit. And may we pray without ceasing for this family and for their peace and for their comfort and for the direction of your spirit, God. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you.
One last announcement. Ms. Pat called me from Raleigh this morning just before the services started. She said, uh, just remind all of the people in October, you know, we're making a journey to Israel. Some of you have already signed up. Uh, some of you were thinking it through and you didn't sign up. And if that's the case, you need to sign up. Today we're uh, making sure that we get our numbers to our guide. We're um, doing the hotel arrangements and then we will start to hopefully this week have all the finality of the flight arrangement uh, for our travel to Israel in the first week of October. Uh, some of you, um, you need to be very specific about the rooming assignment. This is based on double occupancy. In other words, two people for a room. If it's husband and wife, we understand that. But if you are a single person, uh, unless you want to pay for the fullness of the room, we suggest that you might want to name a roommate that will be staying with you during the course of this journey. And if you don't, then we will. We will try to put people together. Uh, hopefully based on you having the knowledge level of that person but if you already signed up and you said uh, I've signed up and this person is going to be my roommate make sure they know that too um, <laughs> and, and then let us know tomorrow uh, I don't want you to put it off I want you to you might you could call today and leave it on the voicemail but by tomorrow I need to be collaborating with our Israeli tour guide so that we can get all of your hoteling arranged, all your meals arranged, all your flights arranged, and we will be asking for some specific information, especially when it comes to flight. Uh, we would remind you again, check your passports. Make sure they are not expiring this year, especially if they expire in September, because we're going in October. And an expired passport, you won't be able to get on the flight. Check your driver's license or your Maryland or DC ID. You should have something now called a real ID because if you don't have a real ID, you won't get on the plane. We are saying to you, check with your doctors, especially if you are on any kind of medication. Make sure that it is in conjunction with your medical doctor. Make sure that your insurance policies will allow you to go, if you needed to go to an Israeli hospital, that it would cover it. All these things must be thought through as we move toward that. Now, I don't expect any people to be among us. I believe that God can raise us up. I look at Miss Mabel, and I remember the time Miss Mabel went, you had just come out of hip surgery. Girlfriend was all over the place. Go, Miss Mabel, go. Amen. Amen. It is, in many cases, a lot of walking. And so um, if you have not been walking, I would suggest getting to walking. Because Pastor and that guy, we're on a timetable. And we be moving you. Amen. Um, so if you're still thinking and saying, you know what? I'm going on that trip. Let it be known today, uh, no later than tomorrow, so that we can do the finality on that, all right? Amen. Lift your hands toward heaven. Now unto him that is able to keep us and to present us faultless before the throne of his grace, to the one who will stand and all of us will stand before him and will be the final judge 
of whether our works are gold or stubbles of hay. Whether God will we say good and faithful, enter, or whether God will have to say, I never knew you because you didn't choose to know me. Depart. There is a place called heaven, and it's prepared for you. It's prepared for you. There is a place called hell. God never prepared it for you. Don't go there. What will get you there? Ignoring God. Disobeying God. Not trusting God. I simply reverse and say, trust God. Lean not into your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways. And he will direct your path. And where's your path going to lead? From faith to faith. From glory to glory. And right into the throne room of Almighty God. It's in Jesus' precious name. Walk the walk. Talk the talk. Live the life. Amen. God bless you. Go be blessed. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.